But a man named Ananias, with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for, such, for, for so much. And, he, and she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Amen. This is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let's pray. We pray as Paul once prayed. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was trembling with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech... And my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Much confusion persists persists regarding the Holy Spirit. Does he baptize a person once, or is there a second baptism? If we are mature enough, should we be expected to speak in tongues, or have the revelatory gifts ceased? These and, these and like questions appear when speaking of the Holy Spirit. But I want to begin with a more fundamental question. Is the Holy Spirit God? 
Is he a he, a person, or is, is he an expression of power, of God's power? If he is just an expression of God's power, he is properly speaking, not a he, but a it, but an it. And that would undermine his position in the sacred trinity. But if he is a he, and if he is another person in the trinity, as we have already seen, he has a quality with the Father and the Son. It is of a fundamental nature that we get this right. So I wish to prove this to you. So let's establish the doctrine first that's found in your bulletin. The Holy Spirit is revealed as a divine person, equal in power and glory as the Father and the Son. Let me repeat that. The Holy Spirit is revealed as a divine person, equal in glory to the Father and the Son. In the exposition, I would like to make this clear. Let me explain uh, this passage to you. Ananias and Sapphira conspired together. They sold a piece of property and donated the money to the church. So far, so good. But here's where it gets interesting. They conspire to tell the church that this was all the money that they had sold the property for. Hence, they agreed to lie. Peter says in verse 4, While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? In other words, it was your property to do with whatever you please. You could have, you could have given to the church or not. It was at your disposal. Perhaps they were jealous of Barnabas. In the former chapter, the Bible says that he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Maybe the selling of Ananias' and Sapphira's uh, and Sapphira of the property was driven by envious desire to, uh, to vain glory. Nevertheless, they sold it and donated it to the church. However, they lied about what it was sold for. They lied to the church and the apostles, but far, but most importantly, they lied to the Holy Spirit. But Peter, filled with that spirit, caught them both in a lie. Ananias dropped dead, and three hours later, Sapphira did as well. The Bible records, And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all those who heard these things. Where it bears on our purpose, uh, the passage tells us, without apology, that the Holy Spirit is first, God, second, a person, and third, the Holy Spirit bears a quality with the Father and the Son. Let's begin with the Holy Spirit is God. Peter says this expressly in verse 3. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And also, in verse 4, you have not lied to man, 
but to God. Further still, Peter said to Sapphira, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? That the same Holy Spirit is called God and the spirit of the Lord. The spirit is in view all this time. So according to Peter, the Holy Spirit is true God, truly divine. This is also confirmed in this passage by his attributes. The Spirit is omnipresent and omniscient. God's attributes of all presence and all knowledge go hand in hand. He must be present to a person if he knows the secret thoughts of men. This is a great mystery. However, only God bears these attributes, and by implication, the Holy Spirit has these also. The Holy Spirit is ever-present with Ananias and Sapphira, and he is said to know their secret thoughts. In a lighter context, this is reminiscent of Psalm 139, verse 1 and following. O Lord, You have searched me, and You know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your, excuse me, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. This expresses that the Lord knows his thoughts, the psalmist's thoughts, because he is present with him and knows his thoughts. But this is also attributed to the Holy Spirit. Psalm 139 continues, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. The psalmist finishes with a note about God, God the Spirit's omniscience. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. And the Spirit is too. In another reference, Paul says, the Spirit searches everything, even the, de- even the depths of God. In this verse, 1 Corinthians 2.10, Paul makes clear that the Holy Spirit is everywhere present, even with God, so that He can know everything, even the deep things of God. Furthermore, He is also said to be holy. We can often rush past this detail, but bear in mind that He is the Holy Spirit, and only God is holy. Normally, when the Spirit is mentioned in Scripture, He is said to be the Holy Spirit. Now, holiness is a communicable attribute. That was tricky. A communicable attribute of God. That means that God communicates in various degrees, this character with his people. 
Although we can never be holy entirely, the Spirit is identified as infinitely, eternally, and unchangeably holy. Do you recall uh, when Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon the throne? Isaiah 6, each of the seraphim declared, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full, full of His glory. The Spirit is called holy. And this, give, this gives evidence of His deity. But thirdly, the Holy Spirit is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is said to be a spirit. In John 4.24, the Scriptures say that God is a spirit. And those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God calls Himself a spirit. If we want to worship Him and have God accept this worship, we must worship Him spiritually with the Holy Spirit and truthfully. Another example of the Spirit's deity is Matthew 12.31. Therefore I tell you, Jesus said, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. We will speak about this more in time. But suffice it now to say, the blasphemy, that blasphemy is the act of speaking against God. Blasphemy is not blasphemy unless the Holy Spirit is divine. You cannot blaspheme anyone unless that anyone is God. We conclude this section by stating the Holy Spirit is actually divine, a member of the Godhead. However, the Holy Spirit is also a person. Ananias and Sapphira have been accused of two crimes, which give way to the personhood of the Holy Spirit. One, lying to the Spirit, and two, testing the Spirit. Let's look at the first crime. Lying to the Spirit. Again, verse 3, Ananias and, excuse me, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And the end of the verse, you have not lied to man, but to God. You cannot lie to the Spirit unless he is a person, unless he is a he or a him. John Owen in his work on the Holy Spirit says, Ananias is said to lie to the Holy Ghost. And a lie is a false testimony given unto that which is spoken or uttered in it. Thus, he that is lied unto must be capable of judging and determining upon, which without personal properties of will and understanding, none can be. And the Holy Ghost is here so declared to be a person as that he is declared to be one that is also divine. For so the Apostle Peter declares in the exposition of the words of verse 4, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Do you hear what he's saying? He that is lied unto cannot be lied unto unless he is a person with a will and understanding to be able to judge that he has actually been lied to 
He cannot be a person if he cannot be lied to. Take me, for example. You cannot lie to me if I'm not a person. If I'm only a nature, you cannot lie to me. That's evidence that without a will or judgment, I cannot determine, um, if I'm only a nature, I cannot determine whether you have lied to me or not. So the Holy Spirit must be a person that is lied to or not. Their second crime is testing the Spirit. Verse 9, But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Testing the Spirit is also translated to tempt the Spirit. In either case, you cannot test or tempt unless you are speaking of a person. You cannot test the Holy Spirit unless He is a person. Let me give you an an example. Do you remember when you were in school and uh, you you forgot to study or else you studied and uh, uh, you were tempted to cheat? You said, oh, I know the answer to this question, but I just can't remember it now. Uh, No one will know if if I just... um, if I just, um, no one will know if I just survey the answer, uh, just one answer um, off of her, her test. Maybe your classmate is inviting you to cheat. He says, you can look, you can look on my paper if you want. Do you remember those times? If you are an unbeliever, you don't care if you're cheating unless you get caught. But if you are a believer, you are tempting and lying to the, to the Spirit who dwells within you. If you are a Christian, you would never intentionally want to do this. You don't wish to sin against the Holy Spirit by tempting Him or by lying to Him. You should just say, I, I have prepared and I am willing to to be tested on my knowledge of this subject, and whatever grade I make, that'll have to do. In sum, you cannot lie or test or tempt the Holy Spirit if He is not a person, truly a person, which leads us to the final heading. The Holy Spirit has a quality with the Father and the Son. This, po- this passage says, that the Holy Spirit is by nature God, or the Spirit of the Lord. It is quite evident that the Spirit is God and equal with the Father and the Son. He is said to be God, the Spirit, and the Spirit of the Lord. And when you add to this the the baptismal formula, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, taken from Matthew 28.19, and the Christian benediction that is recalled from 2 Corinthians 13.14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, there can be little doubt that the Holy Spirit shares 
equality with the Father and the Son. In summary, the Holy Spirit is God. He is a person and shares equality with the Father and the Son. So how does this apply to us? I'm glad you asked. Warnings about, excuse me, warnings abound in the Bible about mistreating the Holy Spirit. Let's look at these first. As we saw in this passage, Peter says, do not test or do not lie to the Holy Spirit. But you also have the warnings of Stephen when he says, you always resist the Holy Spirit, Acts 7.51. Furthermore, Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4.30. And do not quench the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. And finally, Jesus says, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. In these, you are given the staunchest of warnings not to lie, test, resist, grieve, quench, or blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We will consider the most important one first, blaspheming the the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought about this? Whether you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit or not? Whether in your words or deeds, intentionally or unintentionally, whether you have actually blasphemed the Holy Spirit? I certainly have wondered But it is said to be the unpardonable sin. So what is it to blaspheme the Spirit of God? Many answers have been given. Many answers have been penned. But I suggest if you honor the Spirit and worship the Spirit as equal to the Father and the Son, you will not be guilty of blaspheming the Spirit or lying, testing, resisting, grieving, and quenching. If you honor Him as you ought, to worship Him as you ought, you will not be guilty of any of these things. To honor the Spirit is necessarily to not blaspheme Him. To worry about whether you've committed this unforgivable sin is probably evidence that you have not. Worship and adore the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you will never be found to blaspheme Him. Let me give you a few instructions or exhortations to honor the Spirit. Let me say uh, first that you honor the, the Holy Spirit when you ascribe to Him the same honor with the Father and the Son for your creation and sustenance. You will remember that in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And this is said of the Father in 1 Corinthians 8.6. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom, all, excuse me, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And Christ is said in the same passage, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. But this also is said about the Holy Spirit. 
Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath or spirit of his mouth all their host. Finally, Job 33, 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The work of creation was a Trinitarian work, and you honor Him when you acknowledge Him as your Creator and Sustainer. Secondly, you honor the Holy Spirit as a divine person when you ascribe the, that He is your source of regeneration. Titus 3.5 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because, uh, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He has poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The Holy Spirit is said to be poured out upon us by Jesus. So that the Spirit is said to wash, regenerate, and renew the Christian. Therefore, you honor the Spirit as a divine person for acknowledging Him as the source of your regeneration. You honor the Holy Spirit when you honor him for the application of the work of redemption to you, chiefly the work of justification and adoption and sanctification. The larger catechism, question 59, says, Redemption is certainly applied and effectually communicated to all those for whom Christ hath purchased it, who are in time by the Holy Spirit enabled to believe in Christ according to the gospel. You are regenerated by the Spirit, and then you are justified, adopted, and sanctified by God's Spirit also. Justification is applied to the Spirit according to Titus 3.4 and following. Paul declared, He is not saved, excuse me, he, he, he that is saved is not done by works of righteousness, but by the regeneration and renewal of the Spirit. So that being justified, being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. If you are a Christian, your first gift of the Spirit is your regeneration. And then after, the Spirit compels you to faith in the Gospel. You are justified Regeneration precedes justification. The Bible speaks of your adoption in the Spirit. Paul says in Romans 8.14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Bible also speaks of your sanctification as being by the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1-2, Peter writes the churches of the dispersion in the sanctification of the Spirit, but also attributes the sanctification through the Spirit in 2 Thessalonians 
You honored the Holy Spirit by attributing and applying all these things necessary to your redemption in Christ, including your justification, adoption, and sanctification. Fourthly, you honor the Holy Spirit as a divine person when you pray to and for His presence. You honor Him as equal to the Father and Son by praying to and for Him. You might ask, what do I pray to Him for? I, I will just give you a few examples. First, to reveal the truth as, as it is found in Jesus. Jesus says that He is the Spirit of truth. He says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, for He dwells within you and will be in you. You cannot... You can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth as it is found in Jesus, chiefly of His Lordship. 1 Corinthians 12.3 Therefore, I want you to understand that no one, in, in, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Second, to ask for wisdom from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 6, and 10. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So we can pray for wisdom, that the wisdom of God, that God has revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, to ask the Father to fill us with the Spirit's presence. Jesus said in Luke 11.13, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? Fourthly, to ask the Spirit to help you walk by the Spirit. But I say in Galatians 5.16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We can ask that the Spirit will be revealed to us so that we will not run after the carnal flesh. Finally, to ask the Spirit to help you in your weakness. Paul says in Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as, as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We don't even know, we don't even know what to pray and who to pray for unless the Spirit intercedes for us and makes us pray. There are many ways to honor the Spirit as a divine person, equal to the Father and glory. I have revealed just a few to you. To honor the Spirit as a creative agent, 
to honor Him as the source of regeneration and the application of our redemption. Also, you honor Him by praying to and for the Holy Spirit, such as you would pray in the name of Jesus to God the Father. In conclusion, let me leave you with a question. Do you honor the Holy Spirit as a divine person? Or rather, will you honor Him? Because if you do, you will never lie to Him or test or tempt Him. And you will never do all those things that indicate that you mistreat Him. But you will honor Him and pray to and for His presence. Let us now pray. Father, I thank You that You have put a word on my mouth. And I would ask that You bless the congregation to honor the Holy Spirit as a divine person. But we, we fail so often. But let us now Succeed in this, in worshiping the Holy Spirit as a divine person. We ask this all in your name. Amen.